0: So where is the line between collective remembering as acts of commemoration and collective remembering that results in acts of violence and hatred? When does one become the other?
1: I, I don't know if there's a line necessarily, but I think um, it's about how how it is remembered and you know what sort of leadership there is in terms of how acts are remembered. Um, whether you want to make something from the past an exclusive memory um, that celebrates, in the in the case of intrastate conflict, that celebrates the victory of one group in society over another, which is an exclusive uh, commemoration of an event. That that is probably going to lead to more. Uh, division, to more hatred, possibly to more violence. Um, If you reframe it, and ideally this is what we want to see in post-war societies and in the spirit of reconciliation, is not necessarily to take away the the right of a group to remember uh, an event that was important in their past, but to give a space for it to be reframed, um, also to... turn it into an opportunity for other groups to remember similar events that might have happened uh, in their past. So in other words, making an event a more inclusive uh, uh, time or, or opportunity uh, is probably what what makes the difference between whether an event will be, lead to more exclusion, more di- uh, division, and possibly violence, and whether it can actually become an, a vehicle or an opportunity for reconciliation. Um, I can name some examples if you want to. Okay, in in the case of South Africa, for example, and I'm familiar with the South African case. um, There was a very clear uh, program after 1994, when we had our first democratic uh, elections and we got uh, a, a democratically elected government. The new government said, well look, reconciliation is really important. So it looked at, it selected various historical events um, which played a role in not just the Afrikaners' history, um, but also in the history of the struggle, so the opposition against uh, apartheid. And they selected various dates and they said, well, okay, so for example, 16th of, of uh, June was the commemoration of the day, the Soweto riots, when the, the school, black school children revolted against, in 1976, against. Uh, the imposition of Afrikaans as the language of tuition and it led to children being killed by the police and uh, a wave of protests it was a very important date in the anti-apartheid struggle so they said well okay we're not going to make 16 June a public holiday where we commemorate Soweto uprisings and our victimhood and where we were shot by the police we're going to turn it into a national youth day So where all groups can celebrate the youth and the youth's contribution to democracy and the youth's future and the role that the youth and young people play uh, in a democratic society. So theoretically, um, those people who were part of the Soweto uprisings in 1976 had the opportunity on the 16th of June to commemorate their experiences, but it also provided a wider scope for other groups in society to also celebrate young people, the future, future generations, um, and to think about that. And the the post-apartheid government did that for many uh, events like uh, dates, important dates in Afrikaner history as well, where we said, okay, well, we're not going to just celebrate, uh, you know, this important event in Afrikaner history, we're going to keep the date, keep it as a public holiday, but we're going to rename it to make it into a day of reconciliation, um, rather than a... Uh, an exclusive event for one group.
0: Mm -hmm. But can it happen then that none of the parties is happy?
1: Yes, of course. I mean, (laughs) uh, you know, this is the intention from the top. Whether society and whether the groups in society uh, go with the program is another question whether they accept that interpretation and reinterpretation of their history or the history of the other group yeah well that that depends on many factors that depends on to what extent the leadership can take their constituencies with them it depends on to what extent the conflict is considered over settled Mm -hmm. um to what extent there is sort of a broader programme of reconciliation and acceptance, and so on, if the conflict is still really quite alive and divisions are still very hard um, and there's no appetite for reconciliation and for making a new future, then that's not going to work. It's not going to be in the interests of groups and their sense of survival in order to to dilute those sort of narrow ethnic memories. Um, but yeah, it depends on, on many factors. And even in South Africa, so even though you had this top-down effort at making these events more inclusive and the memory of, of these seminal moments more inclusive, um, the Day of Reconciliation, which was supposed to be a day when you know, we reach out to other racial and ethnic groups and we get together and so on, has been turned into uh, National Braai, National Barbecue Day. Um, And the supermarkets, because they wanted to sell firewood and meat, were driving this, saying, okay, let's all get together for uh, a public holiday. Let's have a big barbecue in your community, and you invite people from the other ethnic groups and so on, and it's a day of reconciliation. What in reality has happened is that it's become known as National Bride Day, National Barbecue Day, and people, yeah, they have a barbecue, but they have it with their friends. So the reconciliation bit, perhaps, not as quite... Widely spread. What, um, what would you s-
0: suggest then? It should be done differently, in order for communities and individuals to uh, really um, connect with such um, interpretation, unified
1: interpretation, or unified nar- historical narratives. Well, I think I think I think it's important that the national government creates a space for mm-hmm. it, creates encouragement, but they can only do so much. Um, I think you need to also have a sort of a more community-based uh, approach, where you build up communities, and this goes in with post-war reconstruction programs and so on, where communities have to be empowered to feel confident, to not feel that they are deprived relatively to the opposing community group and so on, and then there will be, theoretically speaking at least, there, they should be have the confidence to engage. Uh, in these kind of outreach activities, more inclusive activities. Um, I think it's also that there has to be a sense of that we need each other. Um, if that sense is not there, then there is no why. Why would you then go and have a barbecue with someone from the other group? You know, what's the motivation for it? Hmm. Um, Being member of uh, the same state, mm-hmm.
0: isn't it... Isn't it uh... Uh, a sufficient reason for trying to find a communal understanding?
1: Uh, Yes, you would think so, um, in in the interest of nation building um, and so on, but I think many members of the society might not ascribe to that. Um, uh, You know, for many it is still possible to just continue in your enclave. Um, And we know that many post-war societies still remain deeply divided societies. Uh, Northern Ireland is still a deeply divided society. South Africa is still a deeply divided society. Um, You know, just because the violence is gone doesn't necessarily mean that community relations have transformed, or if it does happen, it it happens very slowly, often. Um, So there might be resistance to the idea of of having that kind of close cooperation with the other group, the enemy, especially if you don't think it's necessary for your own survival or your own economic benefit or your own, you know, for you to be successful in daily life, then why why would you go to the effort?
0: Hmm. I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Northern Ireland as another um, field where you hmm. you uh, conducted your ethnographic fieldwork, I believe. Could you if, you, if you should compare South African case and Northern Ireland, what what is the main difference in, in regards to commemoration and this kind of um, unified historical narrative building, we, we can call it as such? I
1: think there are some important differences. I think uh, the South African case uh, was considered settled much quicker than the Northern Irish case. Um, South Africa had its negotiated transition it had its first democratic elections with the exception of a small right-wing faction which got neutralized pretty quickly. Um, there was broad acceptance in South Africa amongst all races that this is the way forward, that there's no going back. In Northern Ireland, the first 10 years after the Good Friday or the Belfast Agreement was still highly contentious um, and, and to an extent still today Um, You know, we've seen the suspension of of Stormont and so on. So the Northern Irish uh, settlement is much less stable than the South African one was. So um, perhaps in South Africa it was easier to to have nationally driven uh, processes of reconciliation um, and so on because there was a a shared agreement that this is it there's no going back. Whereas in Northern Ireland, the jury was still out on it. So Northern Ireland took a much longer time to start thinking about reconciliation, and they couldn't agree on how this should be done. And there were still politically too many gains and losses to be made. So I think that's an important difference. So it was much, it's much more difficult in Northern Ireland to find an agreement on how to deal with the past. Um, And then I think another difference as well is that In South Africa, the previously dominant group, the Afrikaners or whites, have lost political power. So they still have economic power, but they have lost political power, and they realize that. So in a way, they realized that they were not going to dictate the political terms uh, anymore, especially once the transitional government was over. Um, Whereas in Northern Ireland, the Protestants are still politically dominant. in the way that they were before uh, the, the agreement, so politically there hasn't been that perhaps profound sense of of a political shift as you, as you might have had in in South Africa, which probably leads to the it contributes to the feeling of it not being settled um, as South Africa. Thank you.
0: And my last question.
1: You had a fantastic
0: presentation at the beginning Thank of, you. of uh, today's workshop. And I was wondering if there is something you would want to uh, alter or even change, given what you've heard and experienced today from my presentation, from your presentation. No, is after question. all this um, experience <laughs> and discussions, do you feel that you could have or should have uh,
1: said something differently? Or I think I would think a bit more about who is the audience for the District 6 Museum, because if you look at who, and I, I don't have that information, you can find it out, of course, easily, but who comes to visit the museum? So clearly we have ex-residents of District 6 who come and they reminisce about the past and they share their memories. So clearly they are a group that have an interest in the museum. You have uh, foreign international tourists to to Cape Town who come, it's very much on the tourist map. Who come and visit the museum as well to learn about apartheid history? Whether white South Africans go there, um, you know, on a broad, regular basis, I, I don't know. And I think that would be really interesting. And whether you know people who don't have a direct link with District Six or are not outsiders, whether they engage with the museum um, at all and how they experience that and what their interpretation is uh, of it. I think that'll be really uh, interesting. And that ties up with questions, who is commemoration for? Who are the audiences of, of monuments and of museums? Um, and then what does this mean for reconciliation? Because if there's a museum and only one group uses it, does that really lead to reconciliation? It perhaps empowers that group. And it, I think in the case of the District Six Museum, it does because it gives you know, that group uh, an opportunity to tell its story and to, to resurrect a pride in its history. Um, but what that means for other groups or their relationship with other groups, I don't know. So I think maybe thinking about more who the audiences are um, and what it, its impact on reconciliation is. Thank you. Okay, thank you.